Right. We'll never have Sugar Man, for example. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power of Suits, and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today is the one and only once and former king, emperor, lord and savior of the state of Tennessee, Merzane. What's happening? Nothing much. I hate that I got dethroned before I could do, like, real change, you know, like, infrastructure change, uh, cutting taxes for gamers. Uh, making it overall better place for us to live. But uh, alas, I was dethroned. But I will get it back. Don't you worry. One day, right? One day. One day. One day. One day we will be. We will wear the crown again. I believe. And we will. Uh, we will false promise things. <laughs> I believe in you. And uh, one day, I believe in myself that I will wear a crown. But so far, it's not happening. It's not happening in TTS season X. Check out the special report for more on that today. And uh, yeah, so with that, Merzane, we have a massive episode to talk about stuff today. Like this is going to be a lot. So what I want you suits to do out there, I want you guys to buckle up, cinch it a little extra tight, and hang on for the ride because I think this is going to be a great episode. And we got some crazy spoilers recently. We got the tactics cards that come with Emma Frost and Psylocke. And, Merzane, we got the Immortal Hulk's card yesterday. Big boy. Big boy with them big toys. Yes, sir. I am stoked to talk about all of this. And I think we save Immortal Hulk for last. Oh, absolutely. I That's mean, the one that people want to hear. Yeah, the, let's let the hype train build a little bit longer because while I am very excited to talk about more Hulk, I think that these cards that come with Emma and Psylocke are valuable and are going to have a lot of interesting discussion points around them. So, without further ado, Merzane, let's dive right in. And which card do you think we should talk about first? It's Grievous Wounds, right? It's got to be Grievous Wounds. What an, what an excellent card. I cannot believe we are finally getting a villain like this in the game. I know. It's crazy. We're getting a great Grievous Wounds card. I mean, the card art looks cool that they're bringing with it, so I'll, I'll give you that, you know, but it's uh, we'll talk more about Grievous Wounds when we talk about Immortal Hulk for reasons, but we get another Grievous Wounds, so yay. Uh, what's the next one you want to talk about, Mersane? Uh, we're going to go in order of where what my picture says. So we're going to do psionic constructs first. We'll do Psylocke and then Emma's, I guess. Sounds good. So it is an unaffiliated reactive card. When an allied character within three of an allied Psylocke targets an enemy character with an attack, Psylocke may spend two power to play this card. The attack's type is now mystic. The allied character may reroll any number of dice during this attack. Well, that sounds really interesting. 
I mean, so the uh, I've seen what the internet did with this, but what were you going to say, Mercedes? I was probably going to say what the internet said with it. I keep seeing people talking about turning all kinds of stuff into mystic, uh, like uh, Helios lasers or uh, like Friday AI stuff. Yeah, just like all the big attacks. Like, what if you just made that into a big mystic attack? Yeah, and then rerolled it all. Yeah, pretty amazing. I, I think like the Helios part of it is is probably the spiciest thing or you know any of those like you said big attacks and it's one of those things where is two tactics cards a character that's unaffiliated in either iron man or psylocke because i doubt they're going to have affiliation overlap if they do that'd be awesome but is taking in one of those characters unaffiliated taking two tactics cards is that going to be worth it for one big shot competitively no but when you're at your local game night and you do it and you re you get like a 20 die helios and then re-roll 13 of those dice it's gonna, it's feel, gonna feel really good exactly and and that's where i was gonna go with it is it's something that in a tournament right what's, what's gonna happen someone's gonna do that someone's gonna take that and they're gonna delete a malekith off the board a dormammu an immortal hulk a whatever is gonna get deleted off the board with that and it's gonna be ooh ah and that's going to be a fun moment. Like, I also want to give credit to Atomic Mass Games. They made this game to be cinematic, fun, exciting moments. And that's going to be a fun moment. But I don't think that that's a viable strategy in terms of, like, taking up a character slot and taking up tactics card slots for great success down the line. But it, it will be randomly amazing. And I can't <laughs> wait to see when that happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think a card like this is better if you're fighting into something like Steve or uh, Black Panther or a really sticky martial artist kind of character that's really hard to kill with physical energy. So yeah. you can like turn a really good attack on someone else because Psylocke's attacks are good, but there's other attacks that are better. Um, but taking one of their cool, really big attacks and swinging it into one of those really hard to kill characters and trying to, to get them off the board as fast as possible. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be really comboed with like Helios laser or other things very often. Cause it, like you said, it's just a big investment. Um, I think that there's a lot of times you'd probably just look at the two power and you think, well, that's just two more dice. I could put on the initial roll. Right. 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 And not have this, this tactics card slot used because you should be pumping a lot of power. Helios laser is like your big gambit. You should be pumping a lot of power into it. Yeah. Yeah. You want to fire it off with as many dice as possible. So absolutely there. And with this card, would you say this is a card that if you're taking Psylocke, you're taking this card or is it more kind of situational? I think it's situational. I think it's a good card. Um, but like this card's gonna be useless in the convocation. You do <laughs> yeah. not want this versus combo. Um, Sentinels is another one. I don't think it's really good in like Sentinels and, and maybe even like certain builds of Brotherhood. You probably don't want like, there's just a lot of times where this card doesn't do you anything, but there's going to be a lot of matchups. Like I said, like against like Steve or Black Panther where it could probably do pretty good. So I could see this as like your 10th tactics card, 10th or 11th, right? Where you're trying right. to, to push it in. Yeah. Um, 
but I think it's very cool. I think it, and like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are be comboing it with stuff and they're going to be having a lot more fun than I am. <laughs> I, I think this but, is what, one of those cards though. That it's like, it's going to be sneaky good where it's good. Right. Like I think yeah. if, if we expect Psylocke to be something like X force or weapon X, maybe, so I think like if she's in Weapon X specifically, I think it could be really cool there being able to make like Tornado Claw into a Mystic Beam. Oh God, yeah. You know, like I think that would be pretty cool, and and like kind of things like that that could. Oh, be... that is, it would only be for one attack though. Really? So it won't be the full beam. Yeah, it's not the full beam. It's not the full uh, attack action. Like oh a, dang it, like a Friday AI. Or oh yeah, because like it doesn't say the next attack action. It says the next attack. Yeah. So you would like lay down the beam and like let's say you get three guys when you decide which one you want to, to do psionic constructs to. Then when you target that one for the beam, you'd say, okay, we're going to make this one a, a mystic, which is weird, right? Like he's doing a bunch of like tornado slashing. Like he's just like swinging his claws around. Yeah. And then, but that guy, that guy gets attacked in his mind. <laughs> just that one. Exactly. He's and then just, we continue on like normal. He's just afraid of, he's afraid of Wolverine. And so he crumbles from the fear. I, I Yeah. I feel like he's like, as he's like spinning around like a Beyblade, like slicing through all of his allies, he just right. stops for a second right next to him and goes, you're next, bub. And then just keeps going. Right. And just avoids that guy entirely. And that guy just takes all the mental damage. Yep. That's it. That's how it goes. We solved it. All right. So what's next on your picture? Uh, next is Crimson Dawn. Okay. Crimson it- Dawn. So I'll read this one out because I really okay. like this one. So this is an unaffiliated reactive card when an allied Psylocke flips her stack card to its injured side, she may spend three power to play this card. Psylocke gains the superpower shown below. So this is an innate superpower called Mark of the Crimson Dawn. See, I put the pomp and circumstance on it there. I thought that's pretty nice. It was pretty good. At the beginning of this character's activation and after each of its actions, this character may place itself within range one. Additionally, this character gains healing factor one. I love this, Merzane. I think that being able to place after your activation is over, like, okay, cool. Or you can, every action you do, you're placing. Like, that is amazing. That is just amazing. That's a lot of moving. It's right. a, it's a That's a ton of it. People talk about, like, Ant-Man and the Wasp, like, they just get all this random incidental movement and she's going to get placed like so that's three inches just for free that you get, of course, plus your base. So it's more like like seven or eight, I think, inches of movement just right out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's crazy when you think about when you're looking at her character card and stuff like that, like she really likes to be in the thick of it. And on her injured side, she has only five stamina. So being able to say, okay, cool, I'm going to get into a position where martial artist is more beneficial for me, or I'm going to be out of attack range of somebody, you know, with the stealth and all that stuff. So like, there's a lot of interesting things that you can kind of set up with all of this movement that you're going to get. And interestingly enough, it kind of reminds me of Guild Ball a lot. Like when you're playing Guild Ball and you had characters that had dodges and they just like dodge themselves around other characters while they're attacking them. It was like ridiculous. And if uh, any guild ballers out there know what I'm talking about, it's, it's just super fun. So, and, and the other thing I like about this is now 
she becomes another target for exceptional healing and a pretty good one too. When you think about what I think her potential damage output could be. Oh yeah. And like, especially if she's in X force, I think that's because you're already going to be bringing it right. Like, right. I think that's going to be really cool. I, a lot of the X stuff you do bring exceptional healing. So if you save it for her to be on her backside, she becomes even more obnoxious to kill. Yep. That's exactly it. I, I also think it's funny when we did our review, one of the things that I criticized was I wish she was a long mover. Like why isn't she a long mover? And I think this is why, honestly, I think that the, the placement is, it's not quite a long move, but it is more move than normal. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably why she didn't get the long move to make room for Crimson Dawn. Cause if she was a long mover with Crimson Dawn, Ooh, she'd yeah. be, uh, she'd be pretty bonkers, pretty bananas. Yes. So what's the next one? The next one's going to be an Emma Frost card. Ooh. The next one is headmistress. Ah, yes. Headmistress. I love this card. Why don't you read it out? Uh, all right. So it is an uncanny X-Men affiliated card. It is active. And during Emma Frost's activation, she may spend X to play this card. For each power spent, an allied uncanny X-Men character that is not holding an objective token may advance medium. This is really interesting, right, Merzane? Yes, because it is what I think it's what people wish that to me my X-Men did. It's a, it's like a weird, somewhat better, somewhat worse Avengers Assemble. Right. I'll pay from one character. Yeah. And, and I think this is really interesting in that the caveat of not holding an objective token is huge, especially when you think about X-Men and how they have access to something like First Class and playing with an extract lead is a very common play pattern with X-Men that... You're only going to use this, I think, specifically situationally on characters that, you know, you're obviously they don't have, they can't have an objective, but you're going to have to pre-plan a little bit of, okay, who doesn't have an objective that can benefit from this? But this is a, I think, a big thing and a, a good bit of movement that is really valuable. Oh, yeah. This is going to be like a really good card if someone is able to stop you from doing what you want to do. And they're trying to run away with objectives. It's a really good way to get back to them. Um, there's probably some weird turn one shenanigans you can do with it. Uh, I, I, I don't know exactly because it's got to be during her activation. So maybe that's like a weird combo they have to work with. But um, I think that this card's going to be maybe not in every single list ever, but I think it's going to be one that sees a lot of play. Yeah. X-Men have got some really great tactics cards and I, I see this being in their, their repertoire of popular cards and i think comboing this with to me my x-men could be pretty interesting and and fun and and trying to just get all kinds of crazy movement shenanigans it's going to be a thing i'm excited mm -hmm. for it i think this card's great yeah and I, I love that amg is printing movement cards but also putting the caveat not holding an objective oh yeah because i i remember not, not even that long ago, but especially like at the beginning of the game, like running away with objectives was so big and they had been doing such a good job trying to like reel that in. They're like, no, no, no. You're supposed to be fighting for the objectives. You're supposed yeah. to be defending it, not running into a corner and holding it there. <laughs> exactly. That. Stop that nonsense. Stop doing that. Yeah. And I think that they'll never be able to fully say like to, to be able to fully stop that like 
Angela double move to a corner or or whatever to win the game, right? Right. Like that's just gonna happen. And and when it's like fifteen to six, like, he's like fifteen points, he one more. I don't think that's that bad. Like right, because yeah. I mean, at that point, your your characters are trying to leave anyway. <laughs> yeah, makes kind of sense. But like that turn to like, oh, my entire team is just gonna leave the objectives and just let you stand there and chase me. I think that that's what they're trying to curb, and I, I I'm excited to see them do more things to do it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Cool. And what is next? So I want to skip the next one and go to the, the third one on my on my in order because I think the, the the second one will be more interesting to talk about. We'll have a lot more to say. Um, but the next one is going to be mind transfer. All right, mind transfer. It is an unaffiliated active tactics card during emma frost's activation she may spend four power to play this card choose an enemy character with an activated token within range three of emma frost move an activated token from the chosen character to another enemy character that does not have an activated token within range two of the chosen character so it's kind of a lot of text to basically say you get to take activated tokens from one and put it on the other. Super simple, but this is a lot going on in this card, Mersane. Yes. And I think that first off, four power off Emma Frost, that's a lot. That's her spender, which is an eight dice mystic with a wild throw. I think it's wild throw. And so that's pretty huge amount of power that you're doing this. However, messing up your opponent's plans are huge. It's also worth noting, this does not mean that that character that you remove the activated token from, that they'll get another activation. So choosing who you take this activated token off of is going to be critical. What it also means is, if you're playing against Emma and this card's in their five, don't stand close to each other. Just don't do it. Now, her... Builder can move people with a couple of triggers. So, like, let's say you've already activated somebody uh, like a pyro or something because he's on the card. I'm using him. You've activated pyro. She can potentially attack pyro, move him close to a character that you're going to activate next, or maybe an important character like Malekith, and say, okay, the activated token off of pyro is now on Malekith. And then nothing you can do. You don't get a Malekith activation that round. And you'll take a pyro activation for that. But I feel like that the range restrictions on this and the ways to get these characters where you need them is going to be a lot harder than you might think off the rip. Yeah, I think this card is incredibly powerful. But like you said, it's a little hard to set up. Yeah, like If your opponent is paying attention, they'll be able to, you know, position around it, play around it. Um, but in that, it can also make them do some really wonky stuff, right? Like, so you mentioned you they activated pyro first. Well... Maybe like, well, I don't want to activate Pyro first, and then you put an activated token on my on my Juggernaut. So now I'm going to go to, with Juggernaut first, even though it's probably better to go with Pyro first. But I just can't risk you stopping me from activating the Juggernaut because it's like five points right. worth of work is too important right here. Right. But then maybe like, then you maybe get to hold it and keep making them make that decision. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting things for this card. I think um, I think that's a really unique ability. Um, and I think that like activation token manipulation, stuff like Crimson Bands or Iron Fist or this, 
are things we're starting to see a little bit more of in the game. And uh, I'm excited to see how they decide to implement them, you know, in ways like this, obviously this isn't like taking away an activation like the others. Right. But this is a really rude card. This is really rude. If someone does this to you. So let me tell you the rudest way to do this to somebody. This is the rudest thing to do to someone. So if you're playing somebody that has grunts, the grunts gain an activated token. Oh God. Yeah. If you (laughs) steal that activated token off of a grunt character and put it onto another more useful character, well, the grunts don't get to activate again because they can only activate with their parent. Yep. That is the meanest thing you can do to someone with this card. I think that is taking away an activation for someone that is taking someone's toys away. Yes. Now I think pulling that off will be extremely difficult, but it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. So it is going to happen. Yeah. I I'm with you. This card is very powerful. And this is one where if I'm taking Emma, I'm probably taking this card. I kind of see this card being played a little bit more than headmistress just because I think this puts a lot of pressure on your opponent just for free. Whereas headmistress is more of like a cop. I think you're going to be doing headmistress if you have a purpose for it, but mind transfer is something that if like, if you've got a fifth tactic slot, this fits, this fits perfectly if you're running Emma and it puts people in a bad spot. Well, that's what I'm getting at is that, I mean, I, I didn't say it that way, I guess, but like headmistress is X-Men specific. So you can kind of get away with not taking headmistress because you playing X-Men, you've already got stuff like first class. You maybe have to me, my X-Men, you've got some other stuff that don't have the stipulation of objective and all that stuff. So you might not take it there, but in terms of mind transfer and Emma's splash ability, it just went up. And I think this is currently a trend that we're seeing of, Characters that are fine good or fine to good and then getting a boost with their tactics card. And I think that Emma here, specifically with Mind Transfer, really got that boost up from just the splash ability aspect. And when I look at this, I think, well, you know, Convocation, this is definitely making a case for her to be in Convocation even more now. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. So... And I want to keep talking about this for a second because the only quote unquote problem, and it's not a problem, but the only like difficult thing with this card is it's going to cost you so much power. It's going to cost you four power and you can't play it when you're in diamond form. So you've got to make sure you're in regular Emma form and four power. That's a hands off. Like I said, that's the size four throw. That's the ability to turn into, like, if you only have four power, you're not going to be able to shield mine. You're not going to be able to to brace for impact on tap. Stuff like that, you know? So it's it's one of those things that this is a powerful ability, and making sure that you have the threat of it turned on at the right times is going to be imperative. But I also I want to reiterate the fact that I think this card's a lot harder to pull off than you might think in a in general senses and to your point earlier merzane in a competitive environment people will be on their toes about it oh yeah it's it's the same thing with like deception 
I see this as like literally her deception, but obviously a lot more expensive. Like you said, a lot more opportunity cost. But like deception makes you play weird because to be decepted is uh deceptioned, excuse me, deceptioned <laughs> is uh extremely painful and maybe game losing. Yeah. Uh if done at the wrong or the right or wrong time, depending on what side of the table you're on. Um and I think this is very similar. Like literally removing a character from the equation for a turn is huge. I've been playing a Midnight Suns list that's entire purpose is to give people activated tokens and stagger tokens and make them miserable. Um, And it's really big when you can take a care, when you take characters off the board. Oh yeah. And I'm thinking how cool it would be to like activate someone with an iron fist or something because they're close. Like, and you don't want to overextend. And now you could splash in Emma and like transfer that, uh, that activated token to someone else that was like a little bit further away. Like there's all kinds of cool stuff you can do in there. And because it's out of Philly, like you said, her being splashable is like a thing. It is. It is. So what's the last one? The last one is the one that I think everyone was most excited for. It is my hellfire club. My Hellfire Club. Mine. It is an unaffiliated reactive card. When this card is included in your squad, if your squad is unaffiliated and includes Emma Frost and this card, you may play this card. Your squad is now using the Hellfire Club affiliation, regardless of other affiliated characters. Emma Frost gains the following leadership ability. It is your active leadership. And then the leadership is called White Queen's Pawns. It's an affiliated... Hellfire Club leadership. Once per round, at the end of an allied character's activation, Emma Frost may use this leadership ability. When she does, all other allied characters contesting or holding an objective token gain one power and remove one damage. All other allied characters not contesting or holding an objective token lose one power and suffer one damage. Emma Frost gains one power for each power lost in this way, and may remove one damage for each damage suffered in this way. That's now my mouth hurts a lot. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> so that that is arguably the most complex leadership that I think we've ever had. It's a lot. It's a lot of weird stuff. It it took me several reads to fully comprehend it, and I'm still feel like I might be a little confused. Right. So let's break it down point by point. So first of all, it is once per round that you get to do this effect. So you're only going to get it at maximum six times, but realistically three times, four times, maybe five times, you know, like yeah, it's probably four times on average, I would say is, is how often you're going to actually get to use this leadership ability. But it's, it's a good one. And what does it do when you get to use it? Well, basically you're giving power, removing damage from characters and how those effects play out is the stipulations here. So, objectives, cool. You gain a power, you remove a power. If you're not on objectives, you lose a power, and you take a damage. And then Emma gets some benefits. It's pretty, it's really complicated the way they wrote it, because rules speak is complicated. But I think it's also really cool. I, I think this would have definitely uh, benefited from some like line breaks somewhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I think the important things to note is this happens at the end of an allied character's activation. Uh, 
So any of your characters, after you finish activating them, you get to trigger it. And you get to take look at the board right then and make the, like you get to gain or lose power or whatever. And Emma Frost has to be the one to activate it. So she has to be undazed to be able to use my Hellfire Club. Yeah. Uh, or the, 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 the White Queen's Pawns effect, sorry. Um, and it's sort of like it rewards characters for doing their job by being on points and punishes them for not doing their job. And then Emma Frost gets really happy that they're hurting. Right. So here's a question I have for you, Merzane. How would this work with a character that has healing factor? So, for instance, let's say X-23 is not on an objective. Emma Frost decides to activate this ability. So X-23 loses a power, takes a damage. Does healing factor kick in after this happens or before? Or is this one of those, like, you get to choose the order things? Um, That is a good question. Um. I would say that's probably best for the rules form, but if I had to guess, I'm trying to remember exactly how the end step works for characters. Cause it's, there's a lot of stuff where you do get to choose. And I don't remember if this is one. Okay. And well, I think that like with a character, like you can't, you do bleed after healing. No, you do bleed before healing. Before, fire, yeah. Right? So I don't remember the exact, End of activation. That's definitely a good that's definitely a good rules forum question. Yeah. So someone asked that question in the rules forum. And let me know because I'm if you can do it in that way, I feel like that it's it's probably ramped up good. And when you're building like a Hellfire Club style list, like if you really want to lean into Hellfire Club, having a lot of healing factor characters could really be good then. Mm-hmm. So that's just something to think about, I think. But, Merzane, when we're reading this here, it says if your squad is unaffiliated and includes Emma Frost, you play this card. Does that mean you have to be playing unaffiliated, like you can't have any possible affiliation? Or does that just mean that you're saying, I'm going to be unaffiliated, guys? So I'm pretty sure this is how this works, because um, I, I reread the rules on this to make sure. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty confident in this. Another good rules form question, just so it's on the rules form. Not necessarily because it's really needed, I think. Uh, but when you build your squad, you get to decide what affiliations you wish to use. So, like, if you have, you know, five characters, three that are Brotherhood and three also, because one is double, like Rogue, that are X-Men, you're not in a, a Brotherhood and X-Men affiliated squad. You have to choose one. But you could also just choose to be unaffiliated. So, if your squad is unaffiliated because you chose so or because you couldn't make an affiliation, then you could do this. Yeah. So basically you can choose to be unaffiliated before playing my hellfire club, even if you have three characters from brotherhood in your squad. So cool. Yeah. I, I, I don't think you're having to like discover the one combination of your characters that doesn't accidentally make an affiliation. I right. think it's just, it's just going to ask you basically the game basically silently asks you, do you want to play an affiliation? You just click the right. no option. So, I mean, are we missing anything here? Is there any nuance to what's going on with Hellfire Club? And do you see this being something that's going to be potent and powerful and and within the meta? Like, is it going to be something that you see Hellfire Club's sneaky winning tournaments? I definitely could. I think so. 
one of the advantages of Dormammu's Dark Dimension is that you have free reign over how you want to make your affiliation. Um, and the leadership is good. Everyone gets power. Free power is excellent. It's like a weird Steve um, a, a leadership, but different. But there's a lot of detriments to Dark Dimension. You know, your characters will take damage if you're not careful. Uh, Dormammu is arguably not worth the eight points. And you're having to build around him. And eight points is a lot to build around. So you don't have a lot yeah. of freedom. Now we have something similar. It's not quite as easily powerful like, or apparently powerful as Steve or Dormammu's leadership with a lot more caveats, a little bit more complications. But it's on a fourth rate character. Granted, also minus a tactic card slot. So you're only running four tactics. Um, but that gives you a lot more build freedom. You're not having to like build around this eight point character. Yeah. And with some other weird things like Dark Restoration makes a lot of people play Dormammu very not wide because he can't go super wide with a lot of three threats or lower. Yeah. Emma Frost doesn't have anything like that. She doesn't care what you bring. She's just going to expect people to do their job. Right. Exactly. So I think that like this is probably in a, a leadership that could get a lot of play. I think that this is one that you could play around. Um but I think it's going to be kind of like Dormammu where you're going to be looking for very, you're going to be looking for a lot of weird combos that you can't find outside of, um, outside of like the, like their normal play style. And this is going to be, I, I think that there's almost no reason to play unaffiliated because Emma Frost for four is not a terrible deal. Yeah. Maybe the, the negative the minus one tactics card is probably worse than playing Emma Frost, but getting like just an affiliated bonus is, it's really good yeah. of any kind. Yeah, and I, I think that you you mentioned it right there, is this is not a card that is an extra card like Convocation. It is one of your five, and is this valuable enough to be one of the five? Mm -hmm. I think so. I, I think it is. Yeah. I think this will see play. Um, I think it's more readily apparently powerful than Corvus's leadership, which doesn't see a whole lot of play. And I think that it probably deserves a lot more play than it sees. Yeah. Um, I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Kenny's been playing it very well locally, which I mean, isn't a knock on Kenny, but is also kind of a knock on Kenny. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, but like it, it just, that, that card feels better than it looks. And I think people get very hung up on, well, that could have been brace in my later, in my, in my tactics card. Whatever. But it was like, no, because you're getting an extra superpower for the whole game. Yeah. How many tactics cards have game lasting effects the, like the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. They can't, they can't all be like complications. That one's, that one's special. And it should be the only one that's like that. I think. Yeah, it should. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm with Merzane on this one, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I actually am not the biggest fan of them adding cards with leaderships like this, just because I think it's, it's hard to make a leadership that's worth the tactics card slot for a lot of people. And yeah. then it also, every time they do it, I feel like it encroaches on convocation just a little bit like, Hey, that's convocations thing. Why are we doing that again? Um, yeah. I think it's interesting and a way to differentiate certain things, but I'm with you in that. I think it's, I think they've done it well so far in the overall of like deploying it at the right times. However, yeah. I do definitely feel like that 
you you have to make sure that that leadership is extremely potent to make up for the extremely potent effect that a tactics card is going to give you. Yep. So, which, yeah. which then like makes me wonder like why don't we just make a less powerful leadership and put it on the character? But I guess like for for characters like Corvus, you know, or for like Weapon X where they're doing legacy support, right? They're doing stuff for old characters. You don't you don't want to necessarily make a whole new character. Maybe the character that you made is fine. So rather than make a whole new Corvus, you just say, hey, you can. Here's a new way to play that model. Yeah, love that. I think that's fantastic. Yes, I'm a little less convinced. I like it when they print new characters that get like Emma, who only Emma can play this. It's like why didn't they just put it on the? Why didn't they just put that on her card? But right. I guess maybe it's just too much text, or I, you know, there's, I guess there's a whole lot of reasons they wouldn't do it. But it's just a little. Um, I, I just, I don't want to see this happen all the time. I want it to still feel special at the end of the day, I guess. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. So that's all the tactics cards that come with Emma Frost and Psylocke. And I got to say, I like a lot of these. And I think that the the star is shining bright on these characters. Mm-hmm. And I think these tactics cards are going to see a lot of play. I think these characters are, are going to see some play. And one of these days I'm going to, proxy in Emma in my convocation list to see uh, just how she feels and and everything. See see how how she plays there because, oh boy, this last one did not go the way I wanted it to. Not that Emma would have helped, but <laughs> it, uh, it didn't go how we wanted it to. So, yeah. Are you going to try the Hellfire Club no. uh, uh, swing in that list? No. <laughs> you don't have two, two of your 10 being dedicated to leaderships. Yeah, no. And I'm not going to be able to put enough characters that would make sense to make that work within a dual affiliated convocation list. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. already have enough time making the list as it is. So you know. true. <laughs> so fair enough. Yeah. Speaking of a tough time making a list with the characters, let's now take a second and say thank you to the suits for listening to us. I really want to uh, take that moment and say, say thank you for giving us your time and being here with us each and every week. And to the uh, patrons out there that support me on Patreon, you guys are the realest ones. I, I really appreciate it. All of our Mark five patrons our Mark one patrons, anybody that chooses to support this show in that way, I can't express how much gratitude I have for you guys out there. So thank you so much. If you are interested in supporting the show, you can check out patreon.com slash house party protocol or as little as a dollar a month. You can come and be a part of that really wonderful community that we have over there where I think I've found who our next giveaway candidate's going to be Merzane. And oh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a big green rage monster, I think, because that model's just so cool but yes we do giveaways all that fun stuff so the next one will be uh, i think we're going to do immortal hulk as our next giveaway and uh, we just finished up a giveaway recently and i'm i'm just i love this community and and i love everyone over there uh, on our discord server which you can get access to if you become a patron and it's a really wonderful community I, i gotta love it we've had a lot of new people pop in lately and it's just always a fun time and it's recently been redesigned to be more discordy. Like I don't know if I would say it's easier to read, but it's definitely different 
and more and <laughs> and good. So I, I like it. I appreciate the help that I had to uh, get that thing looking looking spiffy and more like a Discord of what you're used to. <laughs> it's definitely less easy to find places if you've been in the in the in the Discord for like years or or however long it's been open. But if you're just coming into it, it's going to be a lot easier to find the topics you're trying to to get into. Exactly. Exactly. So I just wanted to take a second to say, say thank you for all of that. And uh, also to, to do the little plugs for a second right here in the middle of the show. So make sure to check out battlekiwi.com and use the code party kiwi for 10% off your first order there. And uh, I got to love my battle box. I got to say it's, it's amazing. I, I can't say enough good things about it. So check that out and then send us emails housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com and you can uh, interact with us on Facebook all that fun stuff send us messages over there I love chit chatting with the community and all that stuff and yeah without further ado Merzane let's talk about Mm -hmm. the newest iteration of the big green rage monster the immortal hulk so first things first, as always, Merzane, we have to talk about this model. And uh, I, I personally love it. I think this model's amazing. I know someone out there was like, look, it's Ballerina Hulk. And I'm like, no, <laughs> stop it. I, I oh, love th- it. This model is excellent. This model is so much better than the original one. Um, did you see the edit someone made where they swapped legs for both models? So it was this Hulk rearing back with old le- old Hulk's like, legs. Ooh. And then... Old, old Hulk's top on the ballerina feet. Yeah. It actually yeah. looks pretty good. Like, not going to lie. Yeah. That, that would be amazing. That would be like a conversion that I would want to see happen. But, but yeah, th- this model is so good. Like, I love that the pants are ripping. Yes. Um, I, I love look, like, the comparisons between this one and the old one. It definitely shows like how much they've improved their ability to make models. And really like capture motion. Yeah. Uh, it it's a lot like the custom bases they do now for a lot of their characters. Like the this base looks really good. Like he's just jump. It looks way better than what they were trying to do with like Black Bolt, for example. Yeah. I, I dude, I, I'm right there with you. I think this is an incredible model, and and you can see, especially in a lot of these new releases, this one in particular, just how much amg has grown as sculptors and the ability that they've gained and what they've been able to do and be comfortable doing with a model here is just amazing and i just i love this model i think it's awesome i I think it's awesome Mm -hmm. i think it's going to look great on the tabletop and question i have for you merzane is it going to be green hulk is it gonna be red hulk it's gonna be gray hulk what which color hulk are you painting well, I don't paint, so it's going to be Gray Hulk, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> obviously. Gray Lord uh, Hulk if, for real. When I, if I get around to painting him, it'll be green. <laughs> it, yeah. It's going to be big green Immortal Hulk. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think he's going to be pretty legit. So, uh, yeah. I, I do, I do want to say one more thing about his model. So, like, something I've seen in a lot of discourse online is, like, and we see it all the time, is the complaint that this is a repeat character and not a new character. And I feel like I get on this soapbox every freaking time they, they re-release a new character. But, like, it's okay that this isn't the Fantastic Four, right? Well, yeah. I mean, no. Like, I mean, no. But, yeah. But, no. Yeah. It, but, no. It's fine that this isn't Squirrel Girl <laughs> or 
Robbie Rios, like I want Robbie Rios more than I would actually do something sacrificial for Robbie Rios. Okay. But it's fine that this release is, is a, a repeat because for, for a few reasons, one, we're never going to get every Marvel character in the, in the universe in Correct. this game. Correct. Yes. We, there are some heavy hitters we haven't gotten yet that we would love to see, but we're never going to get them all. My obscure favorites probably not going to be in here. But also, having repeat characters, as long as they do something different, is fine. If they are introducing cool, unique mechanics to the game, it doesn't matter that it's not the same character, or it's not a different character. In my opinion, this is all my opinion, of course. But yeah, I mean, obviously, because, everything's all your opinion, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very opinionated, though. <laughs> I will speak as if it's fact, because in my mind, it is, okay? Because it is. Um, But this isn't... This is similar to old. This is similar to old Hulk. So a little bit of that is out the window. But this is not old Hulk. Therefore, we are getting a brand new piece to play with, with new rules and new consequences on the game. That's fine. We get some really cool, unique mechanics we're going to talk about, which we would probably never have on any other character. Again, fine. No one's ever going to think that the game is at a point where we can release seconds of old characters because we'll never have every Marvel character, right? Yeah. So I think that this whole, oh, this should have been this. Why are we re-releasing this? Just needs to stop. It's it's silly and it's dumb. And I also think it's really cool to have Hulk and Modoc are coming out right now and their models are so much better. And I think it's great because it's a way to show off how this company has grown as like sculptors. Like you said, like we were able to go back and look at the old original versions of these characters and then the new updated models and say, wow. That's incredible. Look how much better. Like, same thing with the Iron Man and the Hulkbuster box or the new Spider-Man and Doc Ock in the Rivals boxes. Yeah. You know, this is the same character that they imagined. They just did it better. And I like that. I would, I honestly don't mind them doing it more often Yeah, to, to re-release old characters and cool new sculpts with cool new rules. Yeah. I, I'm right there with you. I, I think it's okay if you feel like you want stilt man instead mm -hmm. of the immortal Hulk like that. It's okay to feel that way, but to your point, Merzane, appreciate that this is an all new version of the Hulk and it's following a very popular storyline from the Hulk, which if you haven't read it, the immortal Hulk, check it out. I think we're going to be reviving the reading club and we might just start with this one because it's so it's a good. good one. So Go ahead. And, and yeah, like you said, it, it's fine to to want those. I, there's plenty of characters I want. Still, I actually do want still, man. Uh, the Wall is another good spider villain I want. Sugar um, Man. Vul Vulture, like we don't have Vulture. We don't have Fantastic Four. We don't have Robbie. Just, a lot of the Midnight Suns characters look, just, from the just, new game. Just Google Sugar Man. Sugar Man? Just Google that, and I want to see that model in the game. Just do yourself a favor, Suits, and just be prepared. It's weird. But, uh, oh my God, <laughs> it's like Modoc's strong brother, it, right? Like, I don't like it. Stop it. I wish you'd never shown me this. You're welcome. And yeah, that needs to be in Marvel stat because it would be no. ridiculous. It would be ridiculous. So I, I, I also want absorbing man. Yeah. Right. But, it, it, but I get it. I get wanting all these other characters, but like it is absolutely fine to have 
repeat characters. It is. It's going to happen. It's going ha- to happen. Like I said, we'll, we'll never, ever, ever, ever have every Marvel character. Right. We'll never have Sugar Man, for example. Stop this it. character is never coming into this game. Stop it. So we were going to release plenty of twos before we see Sugar Man. <laughs> <laughs> we will. <laughs> but no. it, it, it's just, I, I just see it every single time they do it. And it gets, it gets really obnoxious. Because it's like, this game is really good. It's really fun. There's so many good characters and so many good sculpts to play with. And like, it's such a downer for no reason to have people just complain constantly about something that's like, it may not even be AMG's control. Like it could be licensing. It could be all kinds of reasons that they're not able to do these characters or don't want to. But you know what they did do? They have blessed us with Immortal Hulk. So let's talk about him. Okay, yeah. I'm off the scope. We're getting off the soapbox. Yeah, I'm going to just putting it in. I slid it in the closet. Taking you down, and we're going to say, okay, Merzane. I'm going to, I'm going to get you. It's really riled up. Really riled up. Like, all right, yeah. I've been on Facebook too much. Been on Facebook too much. All right, so we've got the Immortal Hulk, Bruce Banner. So why is that important that he has that alter ego name of Bruce Banner? That means you can't have both Hulks on the table at the same time. So he has a top stat line of four physical defense three energy defense, and a five mystic defense. He has a stamina value of 15. He is threat level seven, or you could say threat level midnight. (laughs) (laughs) He is size four, and he moves short. So this top stat line is very interesting. He's got less stamina than the original Hulk for one more threat. That doesn't make any sense to me. And then his 4-3-5 on the defenses is bonkers in the best way. I mean, anything crazy standing out to you here? I think the whole thing stands out on this top stat line. I, it is interesting to have a Hulk because obviously it is a Hulk. Um, spoiler alert, no backside. You know, just like all the other Hulks. Uh, with only 15 health, that will become more clear later. Uh, but definitely when you first, you're like 15 for seven. What is this? That's worse than like Malekith. Yeah. Or I think that's that's less health than Thanos. I think at six health, six threat, well, and yeah. obviously less less than um, what's his name? Uh, original Hulk. Yeah. So, uh, but the the five Mystic. I like the five Mystic. I feel like. Mystic should have been a little bit better on the original Hulk since it's hard to calm him down. It's hard to get into his brain. Right. Uh, it's good to see it represented a little bit, but the difference between four and five on defense probably isn't like huge. Uh, yeah. It's, it's significant enough, right? But it's not like going to make or break this character. Exactly. So speaking of things that are going to break this character, you want to go over his attacks? Well, yes, I do. Uh, so his first one is called Smash, thankfully, and not Strike, because Smash is so much better. Yes. Uh, it's a physical range two, seven dumbbells, so seven dice, and zero power cost. After this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt, so it's his builder. He's got a builder. Thankfully, they, put, they printed one originally with a builder. And then on a wild, he throws... After this attack is resolved, if this target character is size four or less, this character may throw the target character short. Nice. That is very notably 
any direction. There is not a way that is an omnidirectional throw. Yeah. Yeah. And then his, would he want to go ahead and do his other attack? Well, first? yeah, but I want to note here. So seven dice and a wild trigger. I mean, that's pretty good odds. I want to say you're looking at like 70% of the time. You should at least have one wild trigger on that. This, I'll, I'll trust that math. You could tell me any number and I'll agree with you. Pretty consistent. I'm, I, look, I'm not a good math guy, but I'm pretty sure it's something like that. It, it's 50% of the time it works every time. I'm right, sure. exactly. Anyways, what's the next one? <laughs> the next one is called Gamma Burst. It is a range three, strength 10, so 10 dice, uh, five cost attack, physical. I don't remember if I said physical, but here you go. Before damage is dealt, the, this character may throw the target character short. The character does not gain power for damage dealt by this attack. That's just mean. Very notably, omnidirectional throw. Also <laughs> very notably, no size restriction. Yes, no size. And it's an auto throw for five power. And, and I just got to reiterate a few things here because you did say this, but... It's before damage is dealt. So a lot of times you see these things that have these really great triggers and it's like, well, you're probably going to kill them anyways. Not this one. Yeah. Uh, if, if he attacks your Sentinel, it doesn't matter how many successes on that die he rolls. He is, he's going to throw that Sentinel. It's getting yeeted. Yeah. The yeah. yeetening will happen. And, and then that Sentinel's definitely dead because 10 dice physical definitely killed it. <laughs> well, uh, probably. I mean, especially a regular Sentinel. Man, they just crumble. So frustrating. Yeah. And, and I mean, then, most things crumble to a Hulk, though, right? What What is your Sentinel in the eyes of a Hulk? This is true. But I'm just saying, like, this this attack, like, this is five power, I think, well spent. Yes, this is a good attack. Uh, notably compared to the other attack from his original form, Hulk Smash. It's uh, range two versus range three. So the new one being longer range could be a big deal. It's two more dice, but one more power. Yep. No stagger potential, which is a little sad, but everything's guaranteed. He has to roll a wild to stagger and throw. This one is going to throw no matter what. And the no damage dealt by this attack is crazy. So you're going to get, you're going to get your face bashed in and you're not going to be able to respond to it super heavy like you right. can with other spenders. No no power gain is insane for this. I mean, it's it's huge because you're literally dice are going to dice. We all know this. I say this all the time. They, but you're probably deleting something. Probably deleting something. And then they they if they spent all their power to activate before you do this, and then they, they wake up and they've only got one power from the power phase. That's sad times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> yes. You know? it's, it's no bueno for them. Yeah. So I think, I think these two attacks, this is all the attacks he's got. I think this is more than enough. And I think that this is, uh, this feels like a seven threat character so far, just based on the attacks. Like, I think that he's, he's doing, a lot of, doing a lot of stuff. And I like it. Some big meaty attacks, they're single target. He didn't have like a beam or an area, but they can influence multiple people and displace with the throws. So that's good. Like he's got ways to do, you know, 
if you attack one three threat character and kill them with your seven threat, that doesn't feel very seven threat. <laughs> but if you're able to throw them into someone else and then do some damage to them and then throw another guy, yeah, that starts to feel like more that you paid a lot of pa- a lot of points for. Yeah. Um, well, it's, and it's the board control. You know, it's yeah. even if you're not dazing and deleting things, the board control that this is going to give you is going to be massive. Yeah, it's very similar to original Hulk with some with some distinct changes we've kind of talked about, right? Like, yeah, he's not doing a whole bunch more than original Hulk already can't do. This is just guaranteed a little bit more expensive in some places. But and and like the throw is obviously better than the push on the smash versus the strike. But like if you're talking about pure displacement, this isn't any more than we've already seen on other characters and definitely not more than like Thanos. And I think that makes him fit into a fine place. Like it's upgraded versions of the old stuff, but not like, you know, busting the door down on what, what he's capable of dishing out. Exactly. I'm with you there for sure. And I think that when you think about the range on something like gamma burst, the big base, cause he's definitely on a big base still with that range three. I mean, I mean, you're basically measuring something range four from a little base. Like, that's a lot of distance that's being covered by something like Gamma Burst. So keeping yourself on your toes to to be ready for something like this to happen, I mean, there's nothing you can do. You just got to gotta mm-hmm. hope you can figure it out. But now let's talk about these superpowers, Mersane. Mm-hmm. And we have an active superpower here that we've seen before called Gamma mm-hmm. Leap. It's going to cost you three power. Place this character within range two of its current position. This superpower can be used only once per turn. Very, very good. Everybody loves Gamma Leap. It's functionally a charge for Hulk, so love it. Yep. The next superpower we have is Leave Hulk Alone. It's going to cost you three power. Choose an interactive terrain feature or enemy character, both of size four or less, and within range two, and throw it medium now this one's interesting we're saying because og hulk's strongest one there is for the same exact text is only two power yes it is do you feel like they increase this power cost because everything else this dude's doing is throwing stuff um that's probably part of it also i'm gonna be completely blunt i think the strongest one there is should also be three power <laughs> i th- i think that um i think that paying two power for that superpower is fine under steve but everyone else should pay three and it shouldn't be one under steve it's a that's a lot of efficiency yeah um but the difference between three and two power for the hulk honestly isn't so massive that it's like making or breaking the character it's a little bit more fair to make it three i think yeah but this isn't, he's not like strictly worse because he has to pay it a single power more. We'll know yeah. why in just a minute. But um, <laughs> it's still a fan, it's still one of the best throws in the game. It's a medium size four. Yep. Like that's, that's a lot of meat getting thrown real far. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So yeah, I'm here for it. I, I agree with you. I think that making it three makes sense. He's not going to be hurting for power. What this is going to do is basically just make you have to decide between a gamma burst and a throw and kind of which direction you're trying to go with things. Are you going to go with gamma burst and leave Hulk alone? Or are you going to try to smash hope for the trigger? 
and then maybe Gamma Burst, and then maybe throw Live That Dream. Mm-hmm. And look, yeah, I'm he- chasing that dragon, but <laughs> you know, I don't know if I'm going to get it. <laughs> yeah, you're not guaranteed when you start with 10 power to, to Gamma Burst, Gamma Leap, leave Hulk alone. Like, you can't do all three. You have to choose which two you definitely want to do, and then you can try to smash someone to get that last power. Exactly. But you may not get it, right? You may... So he may not get all the cool things he wants to do. Yeah. Whereas original Hulk can, but they are, there's also a big difference coming up in a minute that me, that makes it obvious why he shouldn't always get to do all the things. Yes. So I'm still going to delay that because I think it's fun. I do want to mention real quick, cause I didn't say this when we were talking about smash, but I love that it's seven dice because man, that is the sweet spot for me. It really is like, it. it's funny. Cause like, it doesn't seem like a whole lot, you know, the difference between four to five, five to six, six to seven. But like when you go to that next die threshold on builders, especially, it just seems to make such a huge difference. Oh yeah. Well, for me, it's just the fact that anytime I roll more than seven dice, things don't tend to go my way. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, this is a, this is the sweet spot. It's, sweet it's, spot. it's funny too. Like his builder is the same as a lot of like characters spenders. Exactly. It's amazing. I love it. I love what they did with this Hulk. So we have an innate superpower now called Endless Rage. During the power phase, this character gains two additional power. We've seen this before. It makes sense. He's going to have three power every turn. And uh, yeah, he will have it every turn. So you'll see why in a second. This is where the copy pasting sort of ends, right? Like, Everything we've said so far is so like, where's the difference between this Hulk and last Hulk? Because I promise there'd be a difference. Yes. Uh, the next stuff is all, is the big differences, right? Like this yes. is this is all I think standard Hulk stuff. I think that every Hulk ever printed is going to have these things similar to this. You're right. Now I will say I'm going to skip the important things and go to the immunities because these matter. He is immune yep. to hex, poison, and stun. So OG Hulk is not immune to hex. But guess what? Hulk's counting those crits no matter what you do, unless you're playing Loki and he's injured. Yep. So, yep, but no stun. So there you go. That's pretty great, too. Now, for the big things. And this is a lot to unpack with these next two innate superpowers. So I'm going to read them, and then we'll break them down. So we've got immortality. During the cleanup phase, if this character has a dazed token and an immortality token, it is KO'd. I don't know why they led with that, but they did. So you're thinking to yourself out there, what the heck is an immortality token? Don't worry, we're going to talk about it. Otherwise, during the cleanup phase, while this character is dazed, if this character does not have an immortality token, it removes all special conditions and all power from itself. For each power removed this way, it removes one damage from itself. It then removes its day's token and gains an immortality token. So, basically, what's happening is Hulk's not dying, first of all. So original Hulk, a lot of people were like, oh, well, you know, you just take him off the board immediately and there you go because he can't come back. Then then we found out, no, he actually does get dazed and 
field dressing was a thing and all of that, right? Well, now we have Immortal Hulk here. And basically what this is saying is that if at any point you've reduced Hulk's health to zero from 15 down to zero, if he doesn't have this thing called an immortality token, he then gains it. And once he gains that, he's basically all the power that he had. So if he was sitting on, let's say he had 10 health left and you hit him with a Helios, he gains the 10 power for the Helios and then he is dazed. So he's sitting there on 10 power. And so what he does is he takes all of his special conditions away, all of the power that he had on him, and boom, he's back to 10 health. If he had 10 power, he's back to 10 health right then. And all of this yep. happens during the cleanup phase. So you don't have to worry about like Hulk waking up even more angry on that same turn. <laughs> mm hmm. But did I explain that well, you think, Mersane? I think so. Yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. Go ahead. It is very strange. Uh, because like a lot of the time when you daze a character, they wake up angry. He's not going to wake up because he's going to only have three. So exactly. like he's, he's not going to die. He's basically gets a daze side, but it's not going to be as potent as a lot of other characters. His options will be limited when he wakes up. Yes. And I, I think that's ultimately a good thing. And I think it keeps him from being over the top because yeah. when you think about what's this character's doing and how we've talked about him so far, being able to make you have to make tough choices, I think is a good thing in this game. And we have a character here that it's, it's tough. Like, okay, cool. Do you, do you go into him to try to get that immortality token on him so that you can have a chance to KO him or do you just let him run rampant? Yeah, and well, it's like also like a weird way of controlling his output. Like, you could a lot of the times with big characters, especially, you don't want to attack them and just give them power if you don't think you'll kill them. But like with the Immortal Hulk, if you kill them, if you kill him, if you get him down to the day side or whatever, or get him to quote quote flip, then he's not going to be powered up. So it's like now there's also like another mini game of, well, he's close and he's got 10 power. I might as well go for it so that next round he's not. Gamma bursting me twice or hopping all over the place like an right. idiot. Uh, so I like that aspect. I think that's really unique for, for this character. Very cool. Um, definitely makes him play different. It gives your opponent a little bit more control of how, how the Hulk's going to play. You know, yeah. maybe you wait till next round so he doesn't get to heal, uh, but he's going to have a lot of power. Or maybe you do it this round so he has less power, but he's also going to take a lot more to down again. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. So uh, there's another superpower here that we have to talk about in context with this because that 15 health already looks more like 25 when we talk Pretty about close this. To it. I mean, and that's an interesting thing too is let's assume Hulk just activated. He's, he's taking a little damage. Maybe he's only got five health left. And, and he just activated, and he blew through all his power, just burned every little bit of it. I mean, you're still going to take five damage off of him. And then you have to deal with this thing called the green door. At the end of each turn, not round, not your turns, every single turn, if this character has an immortality token, 
it may remove one damage from itself. If this character ever has no damage on it, it removes its immortality token. So, you just dazed Hulk. He had five power. He wakes up with five health. If you don't finish him, right there, he will heal at the end of your turn. And then my, I'll get a chance to activate. And he'll heal again. And then you activate. And he heals again. And then I activate. And he heals some more. I, this is spicy. It's very cool. And when you think about the broad MCP landscape, Patchup is a very popular restricted card. If you're taking the Immortal Hulk, take Patchup. And then be like, okay, cool. I'm going to, Hulk's going to wake up and I'm going to heal him for five more. Okay, now he's sitting on 10 health. And then every turn, he's healing, he's healing, he's healing. Boom, he, does, he now has an immortality token. You just beat your head against a big green wall for nothing. Yep. I, I love it. I think, it's, I think it's unique. It's very cool. And it's, it's, it's a big deal. And when we think about, well, before we get on to, to our thoughts, what do you think about the green door here? I think it's really cool. I think, um, you know, we talked about how you have that like little bit of counterplay where you can pop him and then make him lose all his power. And then, you know, he's going to have more, he's going to be harder to kill on your next go around. This is the, this is part of the harder to kill on the next go around. Yeah. Um, depending on how much like power he's got to, to, to blow, to heal. And then also your opponent probably has priority because he's playing a seven threat character and you're probably not. Um, so he's probably going to get to go first. And then if it's, you know, they might be able to patch him up and just get him fully healed. That's I think that's the big one is the patch up to fully healed is yeah. a, a potentially really annoying. Uh, but other than that, like it puts a timer on you. Like, do you want risk powering him up again to kill him or do you want to leave him there with three and just let him get to get back to no immortality token that meaning you have to kill him twice again right right and it's worth noting four three five on the stat line the energy attacks are the way to go just just yep. dump as many energy attacks into him as you can and don't waste your time with anything else yeah energy is like is energy his weakness in the comics I feel like gamma energy would help him. Uh, you would think. I don't know. But it's, I just, I find this really interesting and kind of like the, like you said, like you have to manage that risk of, okay, you just did all of this work to take down the big seven threat bad guy who's actually a good guy, but he's a bad guy to you. And you just did all this work to take this guy down, right? And now he's sitting there and he's probably going to have priority, like you said. And he's got, let's just assume on a conservative level, he's only got five health. Do you have the tools to do five damage in one activation? And there's characters out there that can do it, right? But I don't think your little three threats are going to do that very often. I don't think that certain four threats are going to be able to do that very often, like consistently. So, you know, I'm, I'm, very interested to see how this plays out. But with that being said, does he feel like a seven threat character to you? Yeah, I think so. 
I think that he feels more seven threat than Malekith did. Malekith felt uh, on launch. Malekith was crazy when he came out. Uh, and I think that Hulk is crazy, but he's not crazy. Yeah. I think there's a lot more that you can do to play with and against Hulk um, than there ever was with Malekith. You know, we talked about he's got limiting factors built into his kit. Um, he's not as fast or as mobile. Yeah. He's got some range. He's got some reach and he's got a lot of control, but unlike six threat Hulk, his, he doesn't get more dice. So his, the numbers on his card are what it's going to be most of the time. Yeah. So you're not like, Oh, I just failed to kill him. And now he's going to roll five more dice or whatever. He's going to still roll seven dice when he strikes you. Yeah. Now, do you think his lack of defensive tech is going to bite him in the butt? And you could say immortality is defensive tech. It It is, but, but not being able to re-roll or have any kind of dice manipulation natively on his card for defense, do you feel like that that's going to make him susceptible? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, when you play OG Hulk, you don't use that superpower a whole bunch. You just kind of do it when you've got the power for it. You're like, eh, yeah, that's a big attack. I need to to you know soften it just a little bit yeah um because four four power to re-roll four to three to four dice is a is a, is a steep task it is um but it, it definitely makes him a little bit squishier of course there's all he's less squishy because of all of his uh healing and shenanigans that he can do but there's a bit of a difference between like tech and like raw stamina. So I think in certain cases it will bite him in the butt. And in other cases, it'll be, it'll be fine for him. Who do you think wins the matchup of the seven threats? Like if they were head to head on opposite sides of the table, who's winning? Ooh, that's tough. Um, maybe Malekith. Uh, just cause Malekith, Malekith can probably get there first. And, that throw is going to hurt, yeah. but it's, and, and butcher of Thor's is really good. And I think that Malekith, like Malekith maybe won't be going for the seven threat Hulk as much. Like if they're going to straight fight, I think what Malekith's going to be better at doing is picking off all the other people around Hulk. Yeah. Uh, and forcing Hulk to act alone. Whereas Hulk's probably not quite as good as like getting, at getting in your back line and, and busted up multiple little guys. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I think that, uh, They'll rarely square off, and I think that Hulk probably wins the fight straight up because of the ability, like all the throw stuff built in and everything. I think that like Malekith could probably not like some of that stuff, but you know, I don't know. I think it's interesting, and uh, it'll be fun to see because you're going to see it. And let's now talk about affiliations and stuff like that, and where we think the Immortal Hulk might slot in, and. Obviously, I think that he's still going to be an Avenger, even though it is a different version of Hulk. I still think that they're going to make him an Avenger. If they base it entirely off of Mortal Hulk, I, I could see him being in nothing. Fair. Because uh, the Immortal Hulk is uh, sort of a jerk. And it's kind of its <laughs> it own is, thing. It's kind of a what? It's kind of its own thing, too. Yeah, like, he doesn't really work with it. And honestly, I would be fine with that, with this character. Um, Avengers would be the only one I could maybe see, but a lot of the entire immortal Hulk line is the Avengers fighting. him, so I don't, I don't know. 
Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I, it, it depends on how closely they want to tie in with the comic. They've done it. They've done a lot of tie-ins with the comic, with the names and his look and everything. But yeah. So it's, it's hard to know. Definitely not defenders. And well, he's in defenders and he's in Avengers and on his OG form, right? Yeah. Yeah. Avengers and defenders. Definitely not defenders. I know some people out there were like, Ooh, midnight sun's Hulk. I'm like, uh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> That'd be cool. I, I don't think he'd be in Midnight Suns. I don't um, either. Now, I honestly, I wouldn't be upset if he's unaffiliated, though. I, I think it'd be fine. Uh, I would love to see him get Avengers just because being able to gamble leap and leave Hulk alone for two powers sounds awesome. But it's... See, that's why he shouldn't be affiliated. Right. But you really should be saying. <laughs> shouldn't do it. Uh, with that being said, I know a lot of people also were like, ooh, convocation. And honestly, I've I've been trying to not play Hulk in convocation. I'm, Cause I, I mean, I know how good he is. I, I know how good Hulk is and he's especially good in convocation with the hop and the control that he brings. It really fits the style of play. I like, but I've tried not to do that. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. here we are with a seven thread immortal Hulk. And I'm over here. Like, I mean, that five mystic defense seems good, but like he seems like he'd be really good in convocation. Yeah, I can see that. Oh, you're saying where he could. Sp- I was thinking where he would be affiliated. Well, yeah, sorry, I moved on to splashing. You know, we're we're okay, we're now okay. splashing. Uh, yeah, I I do like him for Midnight Suns too. Seven threats weird. I don't know how that would fit necessarily, but I do like anybody that's got a big base. And extra power to spend for the hop, for the hop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Avengers is a splash if he's not an Avenger. Convocation, I could see. Seven threats, awkward. Yep. <laughs> um, maybe Brotherhood. Sometimes that'd be kind of cool. You could do uh, like Brotherhood already splashes Hulk. Sometimes it'd be cool to see them maybe do Immortal Hulk sometimes too. Uh-huh. Depending on what they want. Hydra. Hydra would be cool. Uh, Although, yeah, actually, no, I, I kind of like Hydra. If if it's the right build. Right. And and this, actually, I think Six Threat Hulk's better for Hydra just because of the two-cost throw as opposed to the three-cost throw because the Sleeper Agent and all of that nonsense. Yeah, if you want to do Sleeper Agent Hulk, it's probably best on Little Hulk. Right. <laughs> Little Hulk. OG Hulk. <laughs> OG Hulk versus I-Hulk. I like, Little, I like people calling him I-Hulk. I-Hulk, yes. I-Apple. <laughs> so, I mean... Just in general, though, I think he's seventh thread is an awkward value, but I think he's gonna be playable pretty much anywhere. Like, there's X Men, as I say, X Men. You know, in humans, any of these places, I think you can make a case for it. Yeah. So, yeah, I that I like this character. I I think this character is really sweet. I think he feels like a seventh threat. I think. He's going to be really hard to remove. I think he's going to be a lot harder to remove than you might think. But I also think that it can be done. But you are going to have to make sure that you're focusing him not at the expense of other parts of the game. Because he's going to get where he needs to go. But trying to maybe stagger him, he's not immune to stagger, limiting his attack economy is going to be huge. It's going to be hard to do, but I think that that's where he he's going to come into play. Yeah. 
So, yeah, that's Immortal Hulk. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I think decidedly not broken though. I I mean I think he's I think he's good. I I think he feels good. I think he's good too. I I was talking a little bit on Facebook and uh, some guy told me I wasn't good enough to talk with him about it and it was a little sad. Uh, <laughs> but um, like. I see a lot of people thinking he's going to be like, he's like broken. Like he's going to break the game. Like Malik. He's going to, he's, he's super insane. He's unkillable. And I think that what a lot of people are like not realizing is that he's not Malik. Yeah. Um, we also don't know what affiliations he's in. If he's in none, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, and immortality is really cool, but there's going to be plays, ways to play around it. Like controlling him. Like you said, Another interesting thing is removing his power with stuff like penance stare or sap or mutant absorption from rogue. Yeah. Like those are ways that you could potentially kill him with no power. And we don't actually know what happens in that case. Uh, we're going to, there's a question on the rule forum. I think, I think, if, I think shadow Marvel, a friend, Matthew, yeah. put it in and it's going to get answered probably when he gets released. Cause I don't think they answer questions before release. Um, but, you know, those are potentially really good ways to limit how much he heals or, you know, maybe potentially if he heals at all, um, slapping a grievous wounds on him. It won't stop him from coming back because it's activated or activation phase. We forgot to mention that grievous yeah. wounds is new printing and Psylocke and Emma have has the errata that makes it only activation phase. Yeah, which is really uh, sad. For, yeah, it's not great. Yeah. Yeah. But. You can use it on him if you go first or second and don't plan on killing him, but you can go, okay, well now this round, he's not going to heal anymore. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with him next round, you know? Yeah. That way you can, he's stuck on three power and you maybe put like a five die energy builder into him with grievous wounds and do one damage. Perfect. Now he's not healing anymore and you didn't give him a bunch of power. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think that this character is going to break the game. I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be used. But I think that if people want to do really dumb Hulk shenanigans, they'll just reach for old Hulk because he's one point cheaper and they do very similar things. He's just not unkillable. Right. Right. And and that's what I think that the big d- d- differentiator is, is that this Hulk is, is killable, but, but not in a lot of ways. Like you've got to, I think you've got to just really have the right situation in the dice fall, right. To fully put down a mortal Hulk. And, so I think that when you're looking at these characters and trying to decide on on what to use and who to deploy and all of that stuff, I think that, uh, yeah, I think this character's going to be great. I, I think he's going to be great, but he's going to be in line, and I think that's a good thing. And I think that maybe they learned a little bit from Malekith when they were designing this character and how to, to keep him where he needs to be. And, yeah, I think I, I love his character. I, I will be playing him because I think he looks super fun. I like him a lot. I'll pick him up and I'll probably play with him a little bit, but I can't stick with one thing for too long. Right, right. We know this. We know this. <laughs> and, so, and I agree. I think that the high threats are the hardest to design because if they're too good, they break the game like Malekith, obviously. Yeah. But if they're not good enough, it feels like you wasted a bunch of points, kind of like where a lot of people feel Dormammu is right now. Yeah. And the more that a lot of people say that these high threats don't belong in the game, I think that as we start to get more and more in the game, and they start to really pin down exactly what it means to be a seven, eight, six, maybe nine threat, ten threat eventually. Maybe but not that high. I feel like Jesus. eight is probably the limit. Yeah. Um, 
they'll start getting closer to to balance. They'll start, you know, reigning it like all their other like all their other characters. Like you know, a lot of three threats used to be way better than they are now, and now we're starting to really feel why the three threat is, and a four threat, and a five threat, and a six threat. Yeah, seven and eight is going to fall in line shortly after. Yep. It just need, we just need more of them. Yep, Any more time it. designing in that space. And clearly they're they're approaching it, I guess, you know, but it's also one of those things where I don't think we need to have a huge flood of those type of big characters either. So, no. Yeah. Uh, with that, though, I do want to take a quick second to uh, talk about a comment I got on Facebook around this character that I thought was really interesting. And it was from James. He says uh, he, he touched on this yesterday when he asked if you had to just buy the latest models to keep up. So I, uh, I, he made a comment on another post I made about like, man, it feels feels like MCP. You just have to buy the latest stuff to keep up. And it says here, but how are you meant to play casually into this thing, meaning a Immortal Hulk? Outside of a local comp, I played Mal twice when he was first released and then had to shelve him as I, neither of my opponents had a good time against him. I think Mal, especially when he was first released, I mean, it was it was a punishing experience in a lot of ways. And when he, we talk about how do you play casually into the Immortal Hulk, I think the Immortal Hulk plays casually a lot better than Malekith did. You're gonna lose models, like it's it's gonna happen. But Immortal Hulk has two actions. He has two actions only. Whereas if you think about it in terms of Let's say Immortal Hulk attacking a four-threat character. Just any four-threat that doesn't have a, a crazy amount of defensive tech, just a four-threat character, okay? So he's attacking a four-threat character. And he probably deletes that character. Well, imagine a four-threat and a three-threat character using four actions focusing down that four-threat character that, that the Hulk in this scenario is attacking. And when you think about it in those terms... I think it makes sense that a character like Immortal Hulk here, especially casually, like I think he he fits in the fun and unique theming of a casual character as well as a competitive character. And interestingly enough, probably think that OG Hulk's probably the better competitive option. Probably. But that's that's something that we'll discover as we go along. Yeah. But I feel like that this is an interesting thing. It's like when a discussion to have when you see these cards come out and these characters are just insane taking it into context of this character's got to do the work of two to three other characters with just his two actions yeah and and i think that's where where you can kind of think about things like that malekith was doing the work of three or four characters with just his two actions still yeah, is he at was times. doing way too much yeah so i just you know, I think it's a good question. My question to that question is how do how does your casual friends deal with regular Hulk, right? Like yeah. I see a lot of people say, well, this Hulk's unkillable in good hands, but OG Hulk's kind of unkillable in good hands. Yeah. Like you really gotta you really gotta work to kill that Hulk and you really gotta work to kill this one. Like they're doing similar things. If you can't handle the original, you probably can't handle this one. Yeah. And that's like there's they're not it's not like changing a whole lot um not that this one's better or worse than the other one necessarily but like i don't think i think if you if you bring og hulk and they're having problems with that then they're just it's going to be the same thing with this one 
But yeah. obviously, maybe that's like a, a twist on maybe they should learn to control him or ignore him more often or focus him more. You know, there's a lot of things you can do to, to, to yeah. handle either of them. Absolutely. So real quick, I want to go to our Discord and get a couple of questions from there. We've got BF Trick. He says he's going to a team event in a few weeks and both players have a roster of seven characters combined crisis one leadership affiliation and all crises add four threat so that would mean infinity form there would be 21 threat that you get to put on the board how should you build a roster for a team up event like this uh he says they're thinking about one player mostly playing guardians and the other playing mostly as guardians we're unsure how to select crisis and tactics cards beyond that so we just recently had a team event here in Memphis and I didn't play in it, but I just was watching and hanging out and, and just being a general menace uh, for the event. Just ask Sean. Uh, <laughs> and the guys that won it were playing a Hydra and something else list. I'm not exactly sure, but I know that they were focusing on Hydra. And the thing about an event like this, Merzane, I don't know if you've done one and, and I haven't done one, but I think it's just generally focusing on what you want to accomplish. Do you want to try to beat your opponent up or do you want to try to win on objectives? And when you have that access to that extra threat value, that means these big models, not Immortal Hulk because he's not released, but Malekith, these big five threats, Juggernaut, uh, Master Skull, all of those guys, they get to come in and have fun at that point. And I think that you mentioned Guardians and Asgardians is a pretty solid combo and if you're going for an attrition-style game, playing something that slows it down might be good for you. But also, you could lean into the Guardians aspect of that and spreading it out and, and letting your Guardians spread out and play points and stuff like that. It's, it, it's really interesting, and I think that it's one of those things where building a roster for an event like this is tough, but you just got to know what your partner's trying to accomplish and then what you want to do with that. This is the 2v2 kind of team style, right? Yeah. Yeah, I have not done those. Those uh, those kind of blow my mind. There's a whole lot of weird stuff you could do in those. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting and weird, and it's one of those things where I wish I could be more help here, but it's not a format that I'm particularly familiar with. And when it comes to what uh, BF Trick has said here, Guardians and Asgardians and Crisis and Tactics... I think that you just have to say, all right, are we going to lean into the Asgard side of this and maybe try to beat them up, Thor, Beta Ray Bill, Loki, and Control, and that kind of stuff? Or are we going to lean into the Guardians thing and it's like stick and move, run away, and try to spread out and flood the board, you know, and, and trying to, to determine how to leverage all of that, I think is the interesting thing there. And it's, 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 it's tough. It really is tough. So I wish I could be more help on this one, but I wanted to answer this question because it just goes to show that not everybody knows everything about this game. And I am, I'm one of them. I think that uh, this format's cool, but you know, it's not for everybody. And it's, it's something that I was happy to watch, but I'm glad I didn't have to put my brain through big brain trauma to figure out how to do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So Next question we have here is Duder says Cyclops is leadership. Does it need to be tweaked a bit or completely reworked? Would like to know you guys' thoughts on either or. I think it could be fine with a tweaking, 
but it will probably end up being reworked, I think. What do you think, Mersane? I think a tweak is fine. Um, I think like a tweak to the leadership and a, a minor tweak to him to make him feel a little bit more worth for threat would go a long way. Yeah. Because I think the major complaint is that his his leadership doesn't do a whole lot in his affiliation, and he's also not super great. Um, but if yeah. you change both of those things towards a little bit better at affiliation and he feels better, I think you see it more often. Yeah. I, I think something like making the range restriction be maybe range four instead of range three might go a nice way to helping him out there. I think, yeah, Cyclops, he wants to spend a ton of power, but he doesn't really gain power very well. And using things like hit and run and quick draw, it, it makes it to where he can't use his field leader, which is the best thing on his card. And so mm-hmm. in terms of his leadership, I think that his leadership's solid. I mean, being able to say, give Logan a tornado claw and him not have to spend no matter the cost, or if he does no matter the cost to reduce it by two, and then you're able to give him another power from somebody else to get a tornado claw for only one power total. I mean, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But you're also kind of like limited by, by Cyclops's on the table performance as well as that leadership with its range restrictions and everything, I think are the the hard part to manage there. So, yeah. I, I've said for a while, I think if they make his uh, leadership, uh, if they remove the to a minimum of one clause so that someone else could, other people can pay for your spenders entirely. Oh yeah. That'd be really good. Oh, that'd be dope. Yeah. I'm here for that. So Merzane, with that, I think we're going to bring this to a screeching halt. And uh, where can people find you? You can find me on the Gamers Guild podcast where we talk about Marvel. And apparently we'll be talking about Shatterpoint or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't do Shatterpoint. Uh, also, we have a Discord, a Gamers Guild Discord that was patron only and is now open to the public. So if you want to come in and talk to us, uh, we have a Gamers Guild Discord. Um I can't like link it to you in audio format. I can't be like, go to discord.com. There, there'll be a link in the description. <laughs> okay. Just, just don't worry. That's guys. what I was hinting at. That's what I was hinting at. Yeah. I'll put a link in the description and make sure to go check that out. Give them some love. I've uh, loved gamer skill. Love Nate and all you guys over there. So uh really appreciate everything that y'all do. Also uh, make sure to subscribe to this. If you haven't already to get it every, every week, right in your inbox. And then, um, also, you can send me messages on Facebook. I love to, to chit-chat with everybody over there. You can send me emails, housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Discord. I'm at HPP underscore Will on all of the kind of main Discords. And then if you are interested and you want to support the show in that way for as little as a dollar a month or 12 bucks a year, you can come over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol, where you get access to our Discord, the House Party Protocol Discord channel, which is still the chillest and the illest and the realest and the best corner of the internet that I could ever imagine. I love it over there. And um, yeah, also make sure to check out BattleKiwi, battlekiwi.com, and uh, put in code PARTYKIWI to get yourself 10% off your first order with them. And I think I've covered everything. There's so much. I need to make like a sticky note and put it on my monitor to be like, all right, 
This is everything you need to say at the end. <laughs> or an automated, uh, like just pre-record your outro and then just slap it in. But that's, I mean, the people like hearing me make it up as I go along, I thought. I don't know. Let me know what you think, Suits. And with that, party on, Merzane. Party on, Will. And power down, Suits. <laughs> <laughs>